All right, so Micah told me to say, welcome to Old Town New World. We're here at uh, Millstone Pizza. My name is Jason Broadwater. Micah told me to say my name is Chris Trevay. Hey, good job. Thanks. Uh, and welcome to the world of <laughs> Old Town New World. <laughs> People that can't remember stuff. <laughs> and we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of Small Town USA. with us today, of course, the ever-present, omnipresent, omnipotent, uh, Silent Micah. How are you doing, Micah? Can we just call him Potent Micah? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can say that on TV. Chris, how are you today, bud? Potent. <laughs> All right. Well, that's impotent that you feel that. <laughs> Thank you. Do you remember, speaking of that, do you remember Pope Oaks? The restaurant, the restaurant. <laughs> Pope Oaks. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember what the food was like or anything. I just remember there was a, a. It was really upscale. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was a lot of really nice stuff there. No, I don't. It was on Cherry Road. I remember it. It was called Pope Oaks, and I had like my aunt Sherry worked there. But that's the only information I have. <laughs> well, you, I don't mean to interrupt you, but Sorry. I'm going inter to introduce our guest. <laughs> okay. Okay, and now our actual guest today is Lauren Thomas. Welcome, Lauren. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. So Lauren's hailing from Lancaster. Lancaster County, that's right. Yeah, that's not right. Lancaster. That's right. No, you'll know the moment you say it that you're not yeah. from Lancaster. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Silent mean, G in there somewhere. There's a G. That's like Clemson. There's a P in there. Yeah. You can't right. say Clemson. So, Lauren, what I'd like to do is learn a little bit more about you and then learn about uh, the things that you're into. Um, I know you're into a lot of economic development related things and we'll talk about them all. So, um, let's start with you. Where, where are you from? So um, I would say I'm from Lancaster-ish. Um, my family's from Lancaster. All of my all of my family. Um, I'm I'm turning 34 this month, and I have all four of my grandparents still alive. Oh, wow. That's crazy, and they all live in Lancaster. Wow. Um, so I have a lot of roots there. Um, but my parents they lived in the same neighborhood growing up. That's how they met. And they moved away when they got married to and we we moved to Columbia. So I have had a lot of my childhood in Columbia, but summers, holidays, family reunions have always been in Lancaster. So um, I have come a roundabout way of coming back to okay, Lancaster yeah. County. Um, so where did you go? Did you go to school? Yeah, I went to University of South Carolina. Okay. Um, got my uh, bachelor's in public relations, and then stayed on for a master's in public health. Um, okay. And then stayed on a little bit longer for health communications because I think that's what my interest is and was at the time. So you went straight through. Yeah, okay. I did. I that's did. That's a lot of schooling. It is, but I was really interested. And actually, you know, so one of the, the things that I did when I was in grad school was, um, so about 12 years ago, smoke-free restaurants and bar policies were kind of coming through. Yeah, right. And that was my first job, my first sort of paying job um, that wasn't an internship was to be a part of the Smoke Free Columbia campaign. Oh, wow. Very cool. And it was really cool. And I got to use some of my graduate school work in um, Smoke Free work. Um, and... You had to quit smoking. Yeah. I did. Do it. I was asked to get the job. Did you just go around to bars pulling cigarettes out of people's <laughs> mouths? Well, you, you're nope. disgusting. <laughs> nope. Yeah. You better. You're out of here. <laughs> um, you no, know, no. I moved to Asheville in 95. And when I did, you know, that was before the craft beer explosion. Yep. And it was while wow, everybody still smoked. Um, I went to Asheville and they were, I was drinking craft beer. You couldn't get like a Bud Light. And nobody smoked in the bars and there was no law. Oh. It was just the, the private. Are you sure there wasn't a law? I'm pretty positive because there were some bars downtown where you could okay. smoke. You could, okay. you could uh, drink liquor and smoke. Yeah. But for the most part, they all chose to just have craft beer yeah. and to have no smoking. That's policy. great. Yeah. Just the private sector. Wow. Sure. That's interesting. I can't believe you've never told that story on this podcast before. Just because. Are you being sarcastic? No, genuinely, oh. just because it applies to. Like, we constantly are talking about the power of like culture versus like process and structure and stuff. I mean, that's a clear example. Like the culture, that was that wasn't a law against it, but yeah. there was a clear was cultural a culture. law. Yeah, that's so right. So I yeah. would say that smoke-free policies, like you can compare North Carolina and South Carolina. They did something different where North Carolina, the state, went restaurant and bars statewide. You had a you know statewide policy of restaurants and bars going smoke-free. South Carolina chose a different path of it being municipality by municipality. So 
for example, Lancaster is smoke-free. It, you know, it took a while. Columbia went smoke-free. Well, Greenville, actually. What do you mean Lancaster smoke-free? What does uh, that mean? It means restaurants and bars yeah. are, um, you can't, you can't smoke in a can't restaurant smoke or a bar. New York. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, so you can't smoke in, in restaurants and bars, but in a, another town, Chester, Chester County, actually, you can. So the moment you walk in, you're like, oh, oh, oh my gosh. I know. Like, I can't go potent. back. That's true. It's very potent. Chris's nickname. You know, I I can't believe that that used to be normal. Like, I walk into a place now where they're smoking and I feel disgusting, like, saturated by it. Yeah. You know, it's like you walk into a coffin of of smoke. It's pretty crazy to think about. I mean, just even just a decade ago where, you know, I'm teaching students at USC Lancaster and I'm like, do you remember? No, you don't. No, you don't. Okay, never mind. Never mind. That's cool. That's fine. Um, but social norms, that's, I mean, it's, that's the fun thing about the work that I do in community health. Um, so how did I get back to Lancaster? Um, I met my husband in graduate school, and then we moved to Cabarrus County, North Carolina. Is he from there? No, no, just job, just oh, okay. his career path. Um, and then he found another job in Indian Land, and so it was a great moment for us to be able to move back yeah, that's great. to what I would call home. So, so you... Um moved there first and then pursued professional things there? Moved where? Moved to Indian land. Are yeah. Are some things no. Yeah, so I, I still worked in Cabarrus County uh, while I lived in Indian land for a good two and a half years. And for that time, I, I have a real kindred spirit towards Cabarrus County because Kannapolis is an old textile mill town too. And so when we were there, um, there's just a lot of similarities uh, to Lancaster and Kannapolis and, and probably Rock Hill too just being that there's a lot of mill town kind of there's a feel there um, so I, I felt as if that I don't know if there is a space for me in Lancaster quite yet I didn't really know the you know I, I only had a, an understanding of Lancaster being my family and that sort of sphere of people but um, so I started digging um, I started looking at what what are the strategic plans of USC Lancaster? Is there a health promotion field out there? And uh, the J. Marion Sims Foundation as well. I've looked into them. They're a health conversion foundation. Health conversion foundation is, um, so the Springs Hospital that's in Lancaster was a nonprofit hospital. Um, just like Piedmont, I think Piedmont and Carolina's right, healthcare yeah, system yeah, yeah. is a is a nonprofit hospital. No, I think Carolina's on this podcast. It's all right. No, I think, <laughs> I think Carolina's. Fact is, check me on that one. Carolina's is for profit. No, they're not. They're not. Carolina's okay. healthcare system is a nonprofit hospital. Okay. okay. Crazy. We'll leave it at that. So, so, so Springs Hospital about two decades ago sold their hospital. Uh, so it still exists, but it's now run by a for-profit company. And the revenue, the sales from that hospital stayed in the community. And that was what created the J. Marion Sims Foundation. Okay. So the mission of the J. Marion Sims Foundation has been very centric on health and wellness, community health. Um, but up until recently has really um, been more charity giving and not so community transformation work. Okay. And that's where we're exploring. Um, so it's been really exciting. I've, I have been able to find a space for me to kind of apply my my community health skills at the foundation as well so as with USC come, Lancaster. So you're coming from a health perspective first and then applying that to kind of the broader community, not health like medicine. Not like health, yeah. I'm right. not a clinician. No. Um, it is truly community planning. Community health. Like yeah, for example, a community yeah. becoming smoke-free is yeah. a community health yeah. initiative. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, there's other organizations like the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, which you've probably heard of with you listen Always to NPR. NPR yeah. Culture of yeah. health, culture of yeah. health. Yeah. So it's all about health is not just a clinical concept, that it is your way of life, it is the policies that exist, it's the programs that don't exist in your community that may be, you know, working in other communities to improve health, so yeah. that's what my interest is in. That's cool, so when you, so you found out the, uh, the foundation was there and doing good work, and then where did you actually, you started working for the college, USCL? So, so yeah, so I started digging around and trying to find, okay, so I don't, I, you know, the people that I knew in Lancaster were really my family, and I wanted to learn more about who are those folks in Lancaster that are doing work around improving the health of the community. And I found the Lindsay Pettis Greenway, which is a movement, it's a, it's a proposed five-mile path in the city of Lancaster. Um, that land's already been procured, it's preserved, um, 
but the, the paving of the screenway hasn't happened yet. And so I was like, that, that's my people. I wanna, I wanna work with those folks. And so I've been volunteering and uh, the, the president, Sherry Gregory, is on the board of J. Marion Sims Foundation and we just started talking and I was telling her this exact story of, I really wanna get involved, here's my skills, but I don't, I'm not sure what, um, where Lancaster could even really need me and right. she's been really just a, a great help in kind of helping me find my place in J. Marion Sims Foundation and then also with USC Lancaster that they were expanding um, they have a great, USC Lancaster has a great four-year nursing degree program. And yet we also want to show that you can still improve the health of the community, but you don't have to be a nurse. You can you can do other things. So, so, so the class that you had me come talk yep. to, so explain like, you're the professor of that yes. class, and what's that class? Sure, so the class is called Community Health Problems, and then I'm adding and assets <laughs> to, because I don't want to just focus on the problems, you know? I mean, I think that's what a lot of public health people do, is focus opportunities. on... Opportunities, change uh, problems to opportunities. Oh, Lord, yeah, I think that's what a lot of public health people do, is we focus on the needs, 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 needs. Well, and I want to think about the children. <laughs> <laughs> is it good for the kids? Yeah. Um, and so I'm... I'm teaching this course and it's really just a survey of all the things that a healthy community needs. You need quality K-12 schools. So we go to all the nonprofits and talk to the community partners that are working in that sphere. We um, studied green space, so we went to the future trailhead of Lindsay Pettis Greenway to kind of show students that you may really be in interested in outdoor recreation. That's a thing. You can. You can have a job in that. It doesn't have to just be a hobby. You can really get into trail planning, and that's a part of economic development. So when we had you, one of the things I was trying to find is, should we go to Rock Hill? Should I take my students to Waxhaw to see what a thriving downtown looks like? Because Lancaster doesn't really have it right now. We'd love to get there. Um, and just sort of having sort of almost like a come to Jesus moment, I thought, no, no. I'm being a part of the problem. I need to, let's go to Lancaster and let's bring Jason, who's done this great A Day Remus project. Am I saying that right? Yes. A Day Remus. Um, very few who can pronounce that. It's amazing. <laughs> so how can we bring this kind of concept to our downtown Lancaster and help our young people not think, oh, this place sucks, 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 but really, really be a part of the solution? It was really neat to do that. It's an honor to be invited to do that. And um, so she had... Chris uh, and Silent Micah, she had uh, me come to Lancaster and um, she had her students and we met downtown. As well wow. as several members of our community. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. Um, yeah, so several impactful mayor. I mean, we had someone from Historic Preservation, um, J. Mary Sons Foundation representation. Yeah. So people that really can, you know, make something happen in the community. Oh, and, and our dean of the USC Lancaster. The USC Lancaster, yeah. 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 So we met downtown and um, we looked at the buildings and and asked the students, what do y'all think? Yeah, forget and, the asbestos, forget whatever was here before, yeah. I don't even care. Yeah. What do you want this to be? So it was, know? dude, it was like a, it was like a real a life, yeah, yeah, low tech, a day remus. <laughs> wow. We, we literally prototyped the, the buildings right there Man, verbally. Awesome. I would say uh, Lancaster has some really beautiful downtown buildings. Oh, it does. It really does. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I don't know the name of it. Only, I've only been there when I was a young man. I, would, I used to play in bands and stuff. And I, for some reason, there were a lot of bands from Lancaster. And so I would play in Lancaster all the time. Um, there's a one store downtown that has it's really super cool 60s vibe. It's on the corner. It has the, the, I don't know how to describe it. I'm not good at architectural eras. It's just got that 60s, like, it's either pink or, like, uh, teal with the silver kind of I'm horrible at this but there's this really really super cool 60s looking building on the corner and just in general I think that downtown oh, yeah. Lancaster has a cool it really is there's a, another building man it was a bank this oh my gosh yes yeah it's got a bar it is built into to be it. a wine or coffee bar oh yeah oh, wow. I mean it's already got like a really long bar that was the bank teller bank yeah you know what I mean yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome oh it's really cool and it's got the um the vault they could be the cooler, you know, yeah. and everything. I mean, it's just, and then upstairs is what the people call an Opry. It's a, uh, so like, it's an old performing, at the turn of the century, 1900s, 1920s, whatever, performing spaces that were, would be upstairs in a building like this. And everybody goes upstairs and there's like a little stage and there's this uh, performing space. 
it's, it's very indie sound. Yeah, so no, like, I'm familiar with the term Opry only because of the one Grand Ole Opry. Right, or a Grand Ole. Yeah, Grand Ole, yeah. There's no D. This is yeah. an Ole. Right, <laughs> Ole. Um, but, but anyway, it was a, it was a thing. It was... Um, Jerry Doster was talking about it the other day. It, it, it's, it was a revitalization tactic back in the 20s because downtown was a commercial district and to get people there in the evening, they put performance spaces above yeah. the commercial spaces back then. I mean, that's like downtown revitalization in the 1920s, yeah. you yeah. know? Well, and I think that, you know, so one of the great things that J. Marion Sims Foundation did this past summer was ask residents, young people, old, old folks, everyone, you know, what are the assets of the community? And from the surveying that happened, our young people said, you know, we think this place is really cool, but it's the it's our parents and our grandparents who keep talking about the nostalgia and, oh, this place used to be so great. Right, yeah. And it's kind of, you know, messing up our vibe to want even to stay here. And That is so on point because I've had to have conversations and I, and I think that, you know, I have minimal effect on this but to, to tell people my age and older stop saying Rock Hill's lame because people you know like 30 and younger yeah. don't think it's lame yeah. yeah we're telling them it's lame they're like oh really damn I didn't notice it was so lame <laughs> you know what I mean I would say that's part of the you know reason why I was still working in Cabarrus County and living in Indian land is I had all these messages in my yeah. head of this is a dead end you know yeah, and then right. once I get there I'm like this place is What's wrong with this place? It's fantastic. You know, there's a, I think there's a, a rebirth of appreciation, and maybe I'm misguided because I'm just looking at my own experience, but it seems like there's a rebirth of appreciation for the kind of quaint, like, ground floorish kind of downtown thing where it's like we assume, oh, well, of course young people want to go to Boston and New York. Well, I don't know if they do or not. Right. You know what I mean? A lot of them really appreciate a neighborhood feel. Yeah like a little downtown, you know? Yeah, and I, I think that, for me, this is Lauren Thomas speaking, but I think whoa, 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 USC, <laughs> I think USC Lancaster should be a part of that. I think they should be a part of the downtown. Yeah. Have, the, have a presence in downtown. Well, we We've got a great Native American Study Center. And yeah, it has it been, nice. it has it's been a fantastic, um, I would say, pilot experiment to what the university's presence has done for the downtown Lancaster area. And let's keep going. Let's keep using that as momentum to, you know, bring more courses or bring more classrooms or, or uh, incubator-like stuff, student housing. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the questions that we asked our students. Someone asked that question yeah. of, would you live here if, if we had student housing? And everyone was saying, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That sounds great. I mean, the whole second floor of that Springs building could be housing. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we have an entire block in downtown Lancaster that is empty right now, that has been vacated by the, I'm going to say this wrong, Kanawa Insurance Company. I think that's right. I'm going to hope that's right. Um, that has vacated. So it's a great opportunity. I mean, you could look at it and say, oh, it's a vacant building, the entire block, oh my gosh. But it's also a great opportunity for something pretty big. It's not just one sliver of a business coming in. You could yeah. really make this something incredible. Well, the whole um, motivation behind the Aday Remus project that we did was that I've always seen empty space as an enormous opportunity. Like, that's the first thought that comes into my mind. Anywhere I am, you know, my wife picks on me because we'll be somewhere and we're walking down the street and we pass the place. I'm like, ooh, that's for lease. She's like, what, are you going to lease it? I mean, like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, we're a thousand miles from home. What are you going to do to lease this little tiny building? And it doesn't, I'm not actually going to lease it, but as soon as I see empty space, space for rent, my mind starts racing. Oh, God, you could put that in here. You could do this. This could happen. The possibilities, you know. And there's nothing like the imagination and the energy of the citizens. That's really all a town is. It's the, it's the manifestation of the, of the kind of organized vision of the community. Yeah, and, and not just, just a handful of, you know, the standard ten people. No, you know, you got to get everybody involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's top-down and there's bottom-up. I mean, one thing that... Rock Hill has done well as the top-down thing. Um, and we've done some bottom-up pretty well. Um, Greenville did the top-down thing exceptionally well. I mean, they revitalized the entire city with a top-down approach, and it worked. Uh, which is a, Yeah, I mean... But, and played on their assets, yeah. you know, yeah. with Reedy, Reedy Creek, Reedy River. Yeah, the, oh, yeah. and they put in that bridge. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. But, like, Asheville did the opposite. Asheville came totally from the bottom-up. When I, I moved to Asheville, in, like I said, in 95, and when I went there... North Lexington 
was where all the prostitutes hung out, right? And um, there was this little Vincent's here, this little punk club that was down there, and everything was cheap. And it was, you could, it was like an incubator because you could make a go at your live stream business, open it, buy your inventory, rent it, be out of business in 12 months and only be out of pocket like $7,000. You know what I mean? It was like an incubator for like creative, and people would say, in Rock Hill, if something would open and close, oh, downtown can't support it. In Asheville, it was like, next, line them up, who's next? You know? So talk about why Why did you decide to have your business here in downtown Rock Hill? What were the conditions that happened or didn't happen that kind of I wish were I had the a better enablers story. or the barriers there? I wish I had a better story. But we moved back to York County because it's hard to raise children without your family. We, I started my business in the house. We live in York. That's where my wife's from. I went downtown York got an office because I got kicked out of the house by my wife. And uh, so, not, I mean, not to move out, but my business. Because yes. you know? I had <laughs> I had two employees that were coming into the house and working in the house, and she was like, this has got to stop. That guy's not even wearing clothes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he never wore clothes. Yeah. But that's not, it's his thing. He was a talented guy. Um, so anyway, um, then I was in York, and I was like, I was renting paying too much for rent um, and I was serving people all over the country and world even tiny projects all over the world tiny tiny like $700 project for somebody in Australia you know what I mean like tiny things but so it didn't matter where I was then I decided I wanted to serve the local community and I realized there was no real economy in New York so there was no there weren't many businesses that I could do business with so I started looking for somewhere else to go and I thought, if I can buy a place, because the business was doing good enough where I thought, if I can buy a place versus rent a place, I'd be better off. It'd be like an investment strategy. Started looking around. The cheapest building that I found, and this is where I wish I had a better story, was this building right next door. That's a fantastic story. It was that so cheap. Yeah. It was $65,000 to buy it. Wow. And I bought it, and I got a loan to upfit it, and I moved into it. And um, we were there for 10 years, and we just recently moved up here above Amelie's, and we still have the front of this space, and we've renovated it twice. And, and, but, but here's a better story. And I told this, I think, to your students, and I'm sorry I'm talking so much, but I'm gonna do it anyway. So I was walking down the street after I moved in, and this dude comes up to me, older gentleman, and he says, hey, you're new on the block, right? And I'm like, yes, sir, I am. And he shakes my hand. He says, well, we appreciate any input that you have. Um, if you got any opinions about what we're doing downtown, we'd love to have your input, your thoughts. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. And he was like, I'm Doug Eccles, mayor of Rock Hill. Oh, wow. And I was like, holy crap, are you serious? That's cool. Yeah, so all of a sudden I was like, he actually cares what I think. And that's one of my main inspirations around creating the Hive and a Day Remus. It, it, it dawned on me in that moment you're part of the solution. Yes. Yeah. It didn't matter if I came up with a crappy idea. He didn't he he didn't really want my idea as much as he wanted me. He wanted me to spend my energy, time and effort here. Yeah. And that's what Lancaster means. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I mean I think that's what this, we are at a good a good place in Lancaster where you know, we've got a, a new mayor. We have a new city manager in, in the city of Lancaster. J. Mary Smith Foundation has a new uh, president, Susan Devenny. Um, USC Lancaster's got a great dean. I mean, I think that people are, are speaking the same language. Yeah, and so important. we have this new um, town and gown reading project where we're reading this book. Of course, it's very academic. We're reading this book on, on the marriage of town and gown, of, of when a university you know, wants to be a college or, you know, college town, if there's a town they want to be a college town, you know, how do you bridge this when it's a marriage that was kind of arranged? Yeah. You can't help who's, you know, who's over the city and you can't help who's, you know, managing the, the campus, but you got to work together to be, yeah. be a, a genuine college town. So we're reading this book and it's really been fascinating to see the discussion that's coming out of this is we're all, we really are speaking the same language. We may be using different terms, but we all want the same things. We all want, you know, our young people to stay here, uh, it, it, however we can get it. If it's not USC Lancaster students, you know, if it's students who went to college and are trying to find a job, we want them to come back. Yeah. Um, but the things that they want are, they want that feel. They want, they want 
freaking coffee shop. Yeah. I mean, they just, yeah. I mean, I know it's kind of like symbolic. I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah. everyone says coffee shop, we want a Starbucks. I, I don't care if it's even a Starbucks. I just want a coffee shop that yeah. Yeah. it's a, it's a place to go. It's a place to just gather and Third just, place, you know, yeah. if you want to be by yourself or you want to be with other people, it's, you know, it's really more of a symbol of community gathering and Absolutely. connectedness. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's, it really comes down to how do you do that from the top down and sort of like the big conscious decision to make that kind of change, I guess has to be from the top down. Cause the idea of the, of the, the, from the bottom up is like these, like an innovator. It sort of is belongs to these people. Cause, and I, and I hate saying this kind of thing. I don't like these kinds of things, but people do kind of divide up into groups where there are kinds of people who sort of decide the world around them is what other people said it was. And that's just the way it is. There are some people that are comfortable with that. And so the idea that they're the kind of people who are always gonna say that this place sucks if everyone tells them it sucks. Right. Those are the exact same people that if they get the impression from other people it's supposed to be cool and fun, they're gonna decide that too. And so it's always up to those people who are the ones that kind of make their own decisions. But they, they, they have to be there and active and that's a difficult thing. Like how do you put those people there specifically? Well, I tell you what, I bet you there is a group of people that are unknown to me that would chuckle if they heard me say that Asheville's from the bottom up because I bet you they kind of orchestrated yeah. the conditions the yeah. conditions that led to Policy a bottom change. up yeah. exactly yeah. I think it is a, it has to come from the top but the top people have to understand it's not about egos and control you know it's about creating the conditions that lead to that environment you know and I and, and I've seen it's funny when I when I started talking about the what was so obvious to me about how what's good for Winthrop is good for Rock Hill and uh, what's good for York Tech is good for Winthrop is good for Rock Hill and, and all this and and I just assumed that's the way everybody saw it people were like these are interesting radical new ideas I'm like really because I didn't even understand that that was a new thing I mean, not that I was the only person saying it, but I'm just saying, like, that just seems so normal, yeah. you know? I just didn't know what else to say. These are interesting, radical <laughs> ideas. It's like a Snapchat or WhatsApp. <laughs> a Googlegram. <laughs> it's buzzworthy. Well, Click even, here. Even just the ideas of, like, I, I'm not a cyclist, but I appreciate bike lanes. I appreciate wow, them because yeah. the same the same way of I want, I want there to be cyclists who are kind of sometimes annoying. Sure, right. but it's a symbol of help. It's a it symbol is. of you can choose a different way to transport your body from one place to the other beyond using a car. You know, we don't want to have a downtown that's specifically car focused. You, you want it. You, you know, do. you want it to be. Lancaster is. It is. It oh, is. holy moly! It's so yeah. Yeah. car centric. But that's just a reflection of you know 1950s, 60s, 70s. Yeah. Um, it's totally a reflection of that. And like the thing is, is Streets get widened because there's traffic. But what happens is, is it's like anti-economics. In this case, supply creates demand. When you widen the street, more cars come. It's not that um, when you widen the street, you alleviate the pressures of the demand. You widen the street, more cars come. Because it's easier and faster to go that way, so more cars come. And it creates an, an, a, a more increased. It's like, you know what it's like? It's rivers. It, you know, rivers come off mountains naturally because the water and the snow has got to go somewhere. Well, if you take one of those things, a creek, and you were to widen it and deepen it, then more water fantastic will come down. metaphor. Yeah. 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 So I have to tell you a story that has just happened, and I want to do cartwheels. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> go ahead. So. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Are you okay? Wow. God. Yes. Yeah. Wow, so, that was amazing. <laughs> so the street beside Main Street is called White Street in Lancaster, and it is being repaved right now. And truly from just one woman talking to the city manager who talked to the county manager who made it happen, we now have a complete street, which is a thing, wow. a complete street in, in downtown Lancaster, where a complete street is many things, but it, for the most part, you know, that a car, that a bike, that a pedestrian could all use that same road. 
And it was truly just the timing of it and the relationships that a small town gives that we just said, you know, someone said just say, hey, you're about to repave this road. Have you thought about adding a bike lane? And it happened. They were already building a sidewalk because it's part of the plans. And so they, they looked at it, considered it, and said, yeah, we do that. So now we have... A, you know, bike lanes in downtown Lancaster. We have some. In, we have some in USC Lancaster's campus. But I've got an exercise for you um, to, to put to anybody who is um, economic development in your area when you're making the point about something small, about like a crosswalk or something. If you say, okay, because you know they're like, oh, look, I'm worried about trying to bring in hundreds of jobs. You're talking about a freaking crosswalk. Give me a break. And here's an exercise. Say, okay, there's a guy in Japan. And he's going to go to, what's the name of that beer place? Craft Stand. Craft Stand. He's going to sit at the bar at Craft Stand. Like, let's follow his path and how he gets there. And where, like, where is it easy? Where is it hard? Where is he engaged? Where is he excited? Where is he not? And it's amazing, like, the Charlotte Airport's fantastic. It's one of the best, in my experience, best airports in the country. I love Charlotte Airport. You know, getting in the Charlotte Airport is easy. Getting out of Charlotte Airport is easy. Getting to Lancaster, probably okay. Okay, now it's like, where do you park? Where do you walk? Where do you? How do you? Where do you cross the road? How do you get downtown? Like, where did? You, where does it lose the ability to move this man effectively and engaging and compellingly? Charlotte Airport is beautiful. There's rocking chairs. There's history. Like, then all of a sudden you're on a little four-way road and you can't cross the street. It's like the problem's in Lancaster, not in Charlotte. Sure. You know? Sure. Well, and I'm, I'm really excited about the, the Lindsay Pettis Greenway is that it's it's helping folks see that connectivity is a big deal, it's that it's neighborhoods. How do we connect our neighborhoods who can't cross the street? How do we get them flowing and moving so that they can go downtown, so they can go to the hospital if they want to, or if they can go to USCL? Cities have been built for cars for 70 years. And cars don't, you know, have poetry. You know what I mean? Like ca- cars yeah. aren't alive. Yeah. People you're are. not looking at people straight in the eye when you're just, yeah. high, you know, passing them on the street. I mean, cars you know. are useful. I love cars, and I want actually a '68 Camaro. I love cars, but they also generate a lot of money for people. They do, and they generate a lot of waste. Yeah. But- awesome, super cool people. <laughs> Super cool money. Yeah, super cool dudes get a lot of that money. <laughs> but but my point is is that cars are I have nothing against cars. They're great. But we build four cars as if they are the people. It's just the norm. Yeah. 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 How do you move people is the question. A car is one way to move a person. It's not the only way to move a person. Yeah. There is a whole philosophy and I don't know that I completely 100% agree with this but I, there is a philosophy around the you know transportation and public health folks of that streets are not made for for the modes of transportation they are made for the people right. to transport people from place to place right. so it kind of gets to that same point of yeah. it's not for the car it's for the, it's person. For the person to get where they need to go right. so however they need to get there if it's by foot or if it's by bike and what's or the if best it's by way to get there? Skates, you know. What's the most engaging way to get there? And one measure of a successful downtown is not how many people are in it, but how long they stay. And I think Lancaster is a beautiful example of that because if you counted everybody that drove through downtown Lancaster, you would say this downtown is booming. Sure. But if you walk down the street, just zooming down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you would say just, this is it. on their way to go watch Netflix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you measure it instead by what's the average um, time on site, we do this with websites. What's the time on site? Yeah, I like that. Then it changes the paradigm because those people are on site for like three seconds. Yes. You know, versus a person that's downtown for four hours, two hours, comes, parks, walks around, hangs out. That's the measure. Yeah. I think that's one of the secrets of why people, you know, why we have downtowns that have farmer's markets. It's not the farmer's market. It's not that you're selling three or four tomatoes. It's really about bringing people. It's the experience. Yeah. We're not in a sort of product economy anymore. We really are this experience. You know, it's how do we, I mean, going to Rock Hill, I love it because it's the Children's Museum is there. I've got a toddler. I can go to Amelie's, Jimmy do you John's. Have a toddler? I do. How old is your toddler? He's three. What's his name? Owen. Owen. Yeah, very proud of him. We've been potty training. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> Me and Chris have been doing that too. Yeah. Chris is very it's not, it's not going well. <laughs> that makes things difficult, but I'm trying. Yeah. He's doing a good job. Yeah, I don't look that way, but I'm doing my best. That is one of those things. I mean, Rock Hill's got the Children's Museum. Yeah, that brings awesome. me that brings me across county lines, across the river, awesome. to come here, you know? It definitely, it's like 
you, you were talking about that kind of thing. It's like evidence that gives an impression, like a farmer's market. Market. It's like evidence, you know? It's like we've talked before. You don't just like, oh, well, we need like a quote-unquote cool pizza place over there. You just, it's like some individual has to come in that it's the kind of place you go into it, they're playing Jane's Addiction and you're, or whatever, and you're like, yeah, and you're like, this is a cool place. Like, I just heard three songs I love or whatever. And the place has, like, an identity that's not... Because, you know, when we talk about generational changes and stuff and there's all these cycles and we're coming off of generations where the McDonald's effect was a positive thing. You know, they were, they were like... They were used to hand-painted signs and they thought it was cool and professional when they had a chain restaurant, you know? And now that's... Now it's like, no, we want things that have individual voices and stuff. Even though I love Chili's. <laughs> You don't have to say that disclaimer every time. <laughs> it, feels, it feels just dishonest if I don't throw it out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Own it, Chris. Own yeah. It. Well, I, I don't know the owners of the craft stand, but I think that craft stand and Lancaster, Benford Brewery, which I'm drinking Benford cool. right here. Very cool. I mean, that's, when we're talking about craft beer, it's not just about craft beer. It's really about people who see that, yeah, I want to invest in this community, I, I, and this is my skill, and this is my craft, and I could see other people really wanting to, you know, be a part of that movement, and that's I was, really I was presenting one time to uh, the, the Rocky Economic Development Corporation, and I, I, I was on that corporation for the board of that for 10 years, so they finally kicked me off, they're like, you've been on too long. Um, it's funny, an intern showed up with a certificate, and I was like, what is this? They, oh yeah, you're off the board. <laughs> is your certificate? <laughs> yeah. It was, just, it was like a thank you for being on the board for 10 years. Here's a drawing of you stinking. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently there's a, in the bylaws, like you can only serve someone. But anyway, um, so I was presenting and a guy named Lee Gardner, wonderful man. He was the CEO of Family Trust for freaking ever, 30 years. Um, and he eventually came around and became one of the biggest supporters and proponents of the revitalization of downtown. Um, but at the time, he was really struggling with making the connection between larger economic development goals and things that to him seemed small. Like a coffee shop seems small to him when he's talking about employing, you know, thousands of people. And so he said to me one day when I was presenting this group, a pizza place might employ 12 people, you know, maybe more if they're a little bit bigger. Why? Are we spending so much time and emphasis on that when we have 20% of the population to employ? You know, um, you know, you know when textile. And and again, he eventually came full circle on being one of the biggest proponents. But my response to that was that it's not who they employ. It's a symbol. It's a symbol, yeah. and it's how many people choose to be in a community where they can have this experience that we're having right now versus people that choose to leave a community where you cannot have this experience and then extrapolate that into the larger economy in terms of where people choose to live and work, where people choose to put their business, where people choose to create a business. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a principle, it's a symbol, you yeah, know? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, if it is just a coffee shop or if it's just a pizza place, this is part of marketing, of saying, you know, let's tell the story of how do we bring a business to come here? And what do you want your your, your employees to do when they get here? Is yeah. they, you want them to go on your greenway. You want them to go to the local brewery. You know, you want, I mean, there's, you're already kind of helping them see themselves in the community. So what can, what can people do? Like, what can either of our listeners do <laughs> to help you with this greenway project? Oh, holy moly. Donate. Donate okay. to Lindsay Pest Greenway. How we, do they do that? So we have a website. LindsayPettisGreenway.org. Lindsay Pettis Greenway. Lindsay, Pettis um, Lindsay Greenway. with an A. Lindsay with yes, an A. Yes, he's a fan. He's so a conservationist. <laughs> Remember that. Lindsay, Lindsay with an A, as in A number one. <laughs> yeah, he's a conservationist, historian um, in the community. I mean, he, locally, you have you know the Pettis family is a, is a big name here. Um, we just want to reflect that he's a he's a it's a big deal. He's a he was a part of the Catawba uh, Valley Land Trust, okay. um, and which helped to kind of preserve the land that we're going to be using to build this uh, this path. Um, but we've got a quarter of our uh, of our funding already raised. It's quarter. Already, You've raised one yeah, quarter. One 25, 25 cents. <laughs> wow. I, it was, I know. That's I gave awesome. it. I had it in my back That's pocket. Fantastic. And I said, here you I go. I found it. I was walking <laughs> on my way there. Yeah. Heads, yeah. heads up. Yeah. Pac-Man with that. You should, and then you're like, damn it. Now we don't have any money. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's the other bit. We want it to be very grassroots. We do want to look for funding outside. We do want to get corporate support. We also want our community to own it, to say, invest in yourselves, you know, invest yeah. in, this is a part of, you know, improving your own health, you're improving your family's health, the community's health. So is this a 501c3? It is, and it's volunteer led. There is oh, no okay. other money that we're going towards but paying for funding this, oh, this so path. Oh, no overhead, essentially. There's no overhead. Wow. I am the social media person, and I don't know Jack. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll introduce you to Jack one day. Nice guy. Um, so they can get a tax write-off for donating. That's right. That's because right. Because it's 501c3. That's right, yeah. And there's no overhead, so 100% of what they're 100%, donating. 100%, absolutely. And I think that, I mean, what one of the things that we're working with, with my students, talking about, you know, real-life projects, uh, our semester-long group project while we're learning about community health is building the community support towards this, this greenway that doesn't exist yet, but we want it to. So how do we keep the rumors spreading that it is going to happen? We It will be built because it's something that I had even heard of from my, you know, just five years ago of this greenway, 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 you know, but it, you know, we knew that it was kind of this rumor, but nothing has kind of come from, from that. So, but the support's really been picking up. And so our students have been going to businesses and giving out window decals to join the movement. And we've got, we call walking prescriptions. So our primary care providers, um, chiropractors, uh, pediatricians, family docs are giving out walking prescriptions that say move your body 30 oh, minutes in five days. But Lindsay Pettis Greenway and you know our other coalition, Eat Smart, awesome. Move More, is so they're a part so of the market. So is it fair to say that by supporting this, you're not only supporting the actual infrastructure project of building this, but you're supporting a community coalition towards health. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a movement that is bigger than just the city of Lancaster. I mean, I'm, I live in Indian Land, and to me, I see this as from an equity standpoint. We got a lot of businesses coming in Indian Land. It almost can sell itself. Yeah. But the city of Lancaster, you know, if I'm, I think very Lancaster County, I'm pro county. You know, we've got a beautiful amount of you know growth happening in the Panhandle. Sorry about the sun. Um, you you created the sun. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I created the sun. Whoops. <laughs> Oops. But I think that for. In my opinion, I mean, I come back to public health and community health. This is health. This is equity. This is how do we make sure that not just, you know, our Indian land folks have great health because of, you know, resources, but how do we make sure that our rural community also has same sort of access to great paved paths so they can also enjoy things like the Riverwalk. I mean, this is one of those things. I mean, people come, I go to the Riverwalk and... Um, there's a path, I'm trying to remember, um, I think it's Six Mile Creek or Four Mile Creek over in Ballantyne area, that you can go from Earth Fair, walk two or three miles, and you're at a Starbucks. Like, that's, oh, wow. the, yeah. that's the gold at the, yeah. end of the, at the end of the rainbow. Yeah, River, it's funny, Riverwalk is a huge success. Every oh. time I go there, I'm like, I'm blown away. It's such a big hit. And it's funny because it's like, it's just where people are right now. They want that kind of thing. Because, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, Cherry Park had a walking track where I'd go there with my mom. I don't remember ever being like that, you know? Riverwalk is just this you big... You a weasel to ride around the walking yeah, track. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could march around. What is it about the Riverwalk? To me, I mean, it's, it's playing on the assets of Lancaster and York County. It's the Catawba River. So you can look at that. You can kind of get those therapeutic health benefits from just being outside and seeing Absolutely. water flowing. And Absolutely. and then there's businesses coming up and yeah. popping up, like the Pump House and yeah. the Grapevine. Which is a great, cool place. Have yeah. you been there? I have. Oh, I have. Really it's cool. it is really beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy to go. Every time I go there, like the Grapevine is just full of people. I have never seen that place not packed. And it's like so cool. And it's just like a great place to hang out. And I don't... I still, having been here my whole life, have not gotten used to the idea that that area has, like, people in it. I have, to me, that's like a Selenese, you know? That's like a stinky old Selenese. And, like, it's so strange to me to go out there, and it's, like, cool, and there's just people everywhere, and it's, like, super positive. It's not, like, a uh, exclusive hipster vibe at all, but it's full of people. It's a really great place. Selenese of Brownfields, do we know? Well, you're talking about the plant, where the plant was? I would say yes. So that I think is but a whole other conversation sure. around public health. Is Brownfields? Brownfields is a. Is, Why don't you define? I what am Brown. not the best yeah. at this, but here's how. Here's my definition. Sounds, sounds pretty positive. They <laughs> usually attach that to good stuff. So, and, and Lancaster has a Brownfields too, of many. So a Brownfields is either there is real or perceived contamination in the land. 
and it's just no one wants to build there because I don't want to deal okay, with toxic okay. waste. They have abated it. And yes. so it's good. So there's, it's there's funding that EPA provides, and you can get it through DHEC, where you can get funding to help either um, revitalize or abate it. Yeah, yeah. to get rid They've of the already abated that property. Yeah. So, so a business could do that to get the funding, or a local government could get that funding yeah. to go ahead and do the yeah. do the prime prep work for you know to to lay the foundation so that a business could see themselves yeah. and not have That's to worry what about the, the city barrier. did for um, the bleachery property. Took five million dollars to abate that property. Yes. Wow. The city bought it and then spent $5 million abating the property before there could ever be a development project on that wow. project. Yeah. Now, I, if a place is haunted, does that count? There are ghost fields, too, I'm sure. You just call that little short lady. She's like, this oh, yeah. land is clear. Zelda Rubenstein. Is that, what's her name? Yeah, Zelda Rubenstein. Oh, well, this house is clear. This house is clear. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. No. But I mean, I think that's another thing is that that's, that is forward thinking and that's a lot of money for a local government to say, yeah, we're going to invest in ourselves so that we can help a business see the future, their potential here because yeah. otherwise it's just going to stay. No, you're it's right. just going to stay yeah. an empty, vacant space that's going to decay, decay, decay. And the ripple effects of neighborhood safety and just And you know what's amazing? What's amazing to me is that this city wasn't built on the river. You go anywhere in the world, like the beginning of civilization, all civilization was built on rivers. Yeah. And to and it's weird that we built the town not on the river, but I can tell you why. Y'all want to know? Tell me. All right. Tell me more. So, I've told this story on this to this furry microphone before. So, the town of Ebenezerville, which is now just Ebenezer Avenue didn't want the train to come through because it was dirty. And they were building the train from Columbia up into North Carolina. So um, the white family and the black family, not races, but last names, uh, had farms that met right here. They're actually here. both Asian. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that part's true. That's just rumor. That's urban myth. But um, their farms met right here on Main Street. And they said, it was actually Hutchison, Chip Hutchison's family um, was the white family. But um, so they said, um, you can bring the train through here as long as you put a depot right where our two farms meet. And where there is a depot, there is a town because if you can get off a train, you got to have a place to buy food and to hang out and third place and you have a downtown. And the, that was the birth of the city of Rock Hill. Well, if you think about it, the railroad was the new river because it's all about connectivity. Exactly. And, and now we've come to a new place where the internet is the Talk new railroad. That. Let's talk about that. That is one of the things that I have to say. Oh, let me drop this mic, Mikey. You can pick it back up after. Okay. All right. We're good. I have to say that is one thing I think needs to be strengthened in Lancaster County is our connectivity internet style. Is yes. The Wi-Fi is not happening as, as fast as I want it to happen. Um, and it's a big barrier where my mind is like, I want to go to this website and hurry up. And yeah, it, it is a big barrier because I like we we literally cannot put our business somewhere that we can't get sure. fast enough internet. We just can't do it. Yeah. So it is a part of even just benefits that you would see that economic development city. Someone has to invest in so that you can attract businesses. So I have an idea for you. There's this idea that. Um, I think I made up, but I probably, probably 80, 100 people have made it up before me and I'm stealing it from somebody. But I think I made this up. This idea, I'm calling it in environmental incentives. And I don't mean environmental in the sense of what you're used to. I'm saying like, instead of incentivizing, usually you in, incentives have to do with big tax property, uh, property tax breaks for big uh, manufacturers that would come into your area. Well, when you look at little businesses like Revenflow, we don't need a property tax, but that doesn't really mean anything to us because we're just needing to locate in a little, in a, you know, uh, 1,800 square foot space to put desks and computers in. So a, a property tax break doesn't help us. So how do you and if you bet on us, a bet on a business that's four people, they might go out of business in six months, and so you've given them some tax break or something and that doesn't work. So instead, you create what are called environmental incentives. There are incentives that anybody can move into the environment and take advantage of. For example, super high-speed internet, free Wi-Fi, um, 
coffee shops, you know, what anything that oh um uh, internship programs from the college where the city this we have this right now where the city pays fifty percent of a paid intern for one semester for any business that wants to hire a Winthrop intern. How cool is that? That is cool. So talk about how that happened. How did that even like how did how did the negotiation part and say that the city said yes, I want to to fund 50% of that was intern. well down the road of everybody being on board with this whole knowledge park and all these innovative things. It would have never happened. Go back 10 years, you couldn't have walked in and said, the city's going to pay for businesses to have interns. They'd have been like, get out of here. That's ridiculous. But if you think about it, an intern, you pay them, let's even just say a living wage. You pay them $10. It's right. $5 an hour. They pay five, business pays five. That's what it is. Is it? Okay, so $5. You are keeping a young person attached to the community. But they never would have gotten that. They would have just left and gone to another community, Charlotte, Columbia. That is an, that's an investment. And to overvalue and to overcredit the things that uh, Chris and Micah and myself worked on, um, the, the projects like a Day Remus and the Hive just hit that message home. Every, and we kept saying, it's not this thing, it's these people. Yeah. That's what we're trying to keep here, is these people, you know? But anyway, um, if there was specifically a grant, it's called the Innovation Grant, and we allocated, uh, I say we because I was on the steering committee for a little while, whatever, but we allocated a significant part of that grant towards this um, pipeline program. And now it's been refunded by Wells Fargo because it was so successful by whatever we measured it by. But I mean, we've taken advantage of it over and over again. It's fantastic. You bring in an intern, they get to get paid versus a free internship. We're paying five bucks an hour. Five dollars an hour. And we got, yeah. and the city's got Winthrop students now plugged into the downtown, whereas Winthrop used to be a suitcase college. Everybody left every weekend and everybody left as soon as they graduated. You know? Anyway, I, I go on and on. <laughs> Those are the little nuances that we want to learn, that we really do. We want to pick, pick your brain, pick Revenflow's brain around what, what can the city do? What can USC Lancaster do? What can J. Marion Sims Foundation help to kind of create these conditions so that we can keep our young people? I mean, one of the, one of the um, indicators that we're looking at within a healthy community is how, do we, how well do we help our young people transition to an adulthood? And adulthood, you know, I still don't know if I'm an adult still, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, 18 to 25 year olds, you know, how do you, help them transition well, especially transition back here, back home. Um, you know, and I think that that's, that's definitely a, a pillar that the foundation wants to really focus on is, you know, yes, this is healthy community and, and, you know, we can say that's more of a classic healthy behaviors and farmer's markets and eating fruits and vegetables, but also how do we keep our young people here through internships or apprenticeships to creating even a young professionals group that we don't have in Lancaster? Okay, so, um, both well-heeled people and less-heeled people can donate to your project in the way that you described before. Let's say somebody wants to um, show up and help out. Is there an opportunity for that? For your Lindsay project, the Greenway, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we have any. We actually just had someone um, who was at a Rotary Club meeting when we were presenting to the Breakfast Rotary Club in Lancaster. Wanted to, he was just really interested in walkability. I was like, well, join our group, you know, just join up. And so we're, he's a part of um, helping us man our, you know, when we have community festivals and when we have, you know, Facebook posts, as I understand it, that you like it and then it helps to kind of ripple effect. And, you know, so it's, it's helping to make sure that, you know, I only have so many friends and people have other friends. And so I have a friend. <laughs> he follows me on Facebook too. It's awesome. Cool. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it's Chris, actually. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, Chris, um, what do you think, man? Yeah, I think that I concur. Excellent. Well said. Well said. So, is there anything that you feel like, if we were to end this podcast, that you'd be remiss that we didn't talk about? Yeah. Would be remiss if we didn't talk about give local Lancaster and other communities have give local something 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 but you know it's a it's a way that's kind of crowdfunding our nonprofits in Lancaster County Jamie Wilson's foundation helps to kind of spearhead this and it's it just happened last year and we raised in 
a matter of a day and a half, $93,000, that it wasn't from the foundation. It was coming from young people, I mean people, just people, you know, just donating so you to you give the, tiny amounts or large amounts? Any amount, any amount. I mean, you'd want to kind of make it more than a dollar, but, right. you know, like you could... Right, a dollar fifty. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was a really great way to see and, and elevate the idea of philanthropy is not just about foundations. It is about, you know, the word philanthropy means love of humankind. Is that what the word means? That's what it means. Is that Latin or it's, I'm, uh, Greek? Greek, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. But it really, it really does mean. It means, you know, that you just like citizen empowerment you know it's about grassroots it's not about top down it's about forget that you've got this like you know government entity that's going to be your savior or you're this corporation like springs or duracell or whoever they, they are not your savior it's got to be you you've right. got to be part of your own solution which is big time the new economy because nobody's giving you a gold watch 60 years from now I when you retire <laughs> yeah. i don't even want gold watches yeah. i don't even oh, care about that i've got three of them on my arm right now <laughs> I'll tell you what time it is. Yeah, yeah three times. I think um, one of the things I'm learning is, you know, I would use the term work-life balance. That's that's what I want is a work-life balance. But I think that translates well with with our rural uh, communities that they just you want to to enjoy life, to live a slow life, and just enjoy and take in the moments. Yeah. And I think that's what small town life can give you is that you have that opportunity to just slow it down and enjoy what matters most and you know be a part of a community that you feel belong that you belong to um so anyway no, I, think I, I can add one thing earlier jason brought up that uh a kind man spoke to him and patted his shoulder and said, "Welcome here." And it turned out that that man was Mayor Doug Eccles. That's right. And I have—I think you could—you could—you could have a professional guy who does that to new businesses in your town, and that would help. But I think a welcome wagon. But it's this one guy, and I think welcome it's, Wayne. Welcome Wayne. He yeah. could say that. <laughs> well, but what I think is important is that you have like a—he goes up to every new business owner and has that interaction, but he walks away after heavily implying. He might have been Santa Claus all along. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. How, how would that movie end, Chris? Uh, you, uh, everyone got the thing they wanted after all anyway. <laughs> all right, good. Well, well played. Well played. Yeah. I've been sitting on that for a while, deciding do I contribute this, do I leave it out? I'm glad you went for it. Yeah. I'm glad you went Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that... Um, it's um, it's funny what we romanticize, and I um, I grew up romanticizing um, anything other than the place that I was, anything, like it, I I romanticized being face down in a gutter in New York City as being a romantic tragic end versus having to suffer through living in Rock Hill, and um, what I learned is um, that. The ability to kind of take, have space, take time, form relationships, and create things. I mean, there's no, and for me and other people are different, there's no thing that you could find that is better than that, you know? So, I have an interesting story where my parents, you know, when they were 18, 20 years old, left Lancaster County and now they're retiring and they want to move back yeah. and that's part of it you know they had this whole like mental therapy of I hate this place I hate this place and there's people there you know and so it's it's kind of coming around for them of there were messages in their head of this sort of like juvenile experience of I hate this this I wish yeah. me to get out of here get out of here and that's part of human nature and, and nobody should ever feel trapped so I think everybody needs to go and then come on back yeah you know. Out of choice, and we want we want Lancaster to be a choice, not out of obligation or because you you feel place bound for whatever economic yeah. reason, but you really want to genuinely be there and contribute. Well, growing up in Rock Hill, um, it was taught taught to me, not overtly, but somehow, that the people who left were more successful than the people who stayed, because it was taught to me that the people who stayed were incapable of leaving, and that was my own failing. Yeah. It wasn't, I mean, not, that's not true. Yeah. That was my own bias and failing yeah. to even think that. But that was the reality that I had. Sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, going back, you're saying Rock Hill, I'm saying Lancaster. I think that's one of the great things about with USC Lancaster is that we have had two-year, two-year, two-year associate degrees, associate degree programs, and we still have that. 
but we now have developed four-year degree oh, programs. So you don't have and to leave halfway through. You don't have to leave. It's not a transition space unless you want it to be, but it can also be a legitimate place where you can get a four-year bachelor's degree and people are doing it, you know, if it's yeah. working, you know, it's like, it's part of this thing of like, you're staying fantastic. And every semester long you stay, that's just one more like webbing that I'm, you know, attaching you. <laughs> you are staying here, you know, you don't even know it, but you're going to stay here. Well, Lauren, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Likewise, likewise. Yeah. Chris, it's been a pleasure to podcast with you, brother. Why, thank you. Yeah, I think this was a surprisingly legitimate episode for once. I'm for scared. once, yeah, yeah. Finally. Yeah. Finally we do something right. <laughs> well, here it comes. <laughs> a big win. <laughs> Silent Micah, you want to take us out in some type of uh, monumental epic scream or something? Wow. Good Typical. gracious. Typical, man. Had to, had to go there with it. Good God. Awkward. All right. Awkward. Anywho. Lauren, thank you for all your contributions. Thank you very much. Yes, and I guess we'll um, see you next week on Old Town New Swizzle. Dog.